The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. It's good to be uh, with you today. Sorry that it's a little bit warm and the uh, thermostat was inadvertently uh, turned off uh, by an unnamed person, Preston. Um, that, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we got it turned on this morning, so we're trying to catch up with that uh, and uh, man, uh, when Corey is gone, our worship pastor is gone, he's in England, will be returning soon. Uh, I need to talk to him about making sure he schedules someone who's got some skill. <laughs> because, <laughs> wow, that was amazing, Kelsey. Like, wow, yeah, put so much soul in it. Wow. Um, I'm going to say to you, um, keep June 24th open. Okay, we'll talk more. Um, I need to talk to Corey first, but... I want to plan something special for June 24th, if you can be a part of that. Okay, so anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to tell you a story. When Joel was in first grade, when we lived in Oklahoma, uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about Joel. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. <laughs> uh, we had him in baseball, and little league baseball, and he, he's, he's pretty gifted at that kind of stuff. He just... He, he, he likes to be perfect, and so he kind of just doesn't do it anymore because he can't be perfect. Uh, but <laughs> we were, when he was, I think he was in first grade, um, and so he was struggling, like, hitting the ball, and we were leaving the ballpark one night, and I was talking to him, and I, I said, man, you, you got to keep your eye on the ball, and you got to get your timing down and swing that bat when that ball, like, keep your eye on that ball, you know. And he says, well, I guess I just have a different kind of life. I said, what are you talking about, man? He said, well, like when I look this way, my eyes go that way. And when I look that way, my eyes go this way. I said, what? (laughs) And he said, yeah. And I I was like, man, like I I felt bad as a dad. I'm here trying to like encourage him, being a little bit challenging. And he's got it like a problem. And I didn't even know about it. So I said, sit down there on the car and he sat down, and I said, I want you to follow my finger. So I moved my finger that way, and his eyes went that way. I moved it this way, and they went that way. I said, boy, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. I said, you're following my finger fine. He said, hmm. He said, I was looking in the mirror the other day, and every time I went this way, my eyes went that way. Went this way. <laughs> so he thought he, had a, he thought he was living a different kind of life. <laughs> so today I want to talk to you about fierce people and how they're different. Um, and we looked last week at David's mighty men. These guys were amazing, man. And they, they really were starting to imitate David. Like the, the stories as you read them in, in that uh, chapter that we looked at last week, you'll see that a lot of these guys, like the, especially the top three, men, the three that were among the 30, like that were called out, they emulated um, the same kind of uh, personality and, and life that, that David did. And so King David, when he's about to die, he says something to his son in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong and show yourself a man. He's saying, like, you be a man. And so David was calling his son out and challenging him to be a man. Now, what gave him the right to live this way uh, or to to call him out this way? 
Well, he had to have lived a life that way himself. And so when we look at him, we learn that David is the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was King Saul. And he rejected the counsel of the Lord. The prophet of the Lord told him what to do. And he went his own way and started rebelling against God's instructions. And so he was removed from his place of position. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10 and 11 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, who was the, uh, the last judge we have in the Bible. And it says, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And so David, we see, was a different kind of man. Because he was made of special stuff, he was chosen by God and elevated to the position of authority and ruler in the, the kingdom of Israel. As a matter of fact, when we study David's life, we see a picture of Jesus. Like we see that he was used in, in an amazing way to save Israel and to establish the kingdom. He is not Jesus, but we see a picture of Jesus. And over and over in the Old Testament, like we look at Moses and we see a picture of Jesus. And so David was made of special stuff and the Lord could use him. He was not perfect, but he was special. And now, so the question is, what made him special? What made it to where the guys wanted to emulate the life that he was living and that he was able to raise up these incredible leaders out of distressed people who were in debt and they were just overwhelmed by life experiences. As Saul started pursuing him and trying to take him out, these guys joined him and became his mighty men. They became fierce people. What made David special? What made him fierce? Well, Acts chapter 13, verse 22 in the New Testament tells us, after removing Saul, he made David their king. And God testified concerning him. And so the, God himself testifies concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. A man after God's heart. It's the word labab. And it means an inner man, the mind, the will, the heart. And so it's not a perfect man, but a man who thought and acted like the Lord. That's what made David special, is he was a man who thought and acted like the Lord himself. And that's different, and that's what God expects from us. And so when we look at people's lives, defining moments reveal if you are different. Like, when you come up against a defining moment in your life, it will reveal whether or not you are a different person. And my encouragement today uh, to you is that you live a different kind of life. You be a different kind of person. Because even as we worshiped about, um, as, as Kelsey led us so well this morning, is that man, we, we, are, we are living in and uh, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in us. And so we have the authority necessary to be different kind of people. And if we're not um, seeking to be different, then we're missing what God has for us. And so if you have your Bibles today, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to unpack David's famous defining moment that reveals what made him different. Probably one of my favorite um, passages uh, to look at in uh, the Old Testament is this, the story of David and Goliath. Um, and so as we look at it and unpack it, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the story, and then I'm going to give you some application uh, at the, at the end, um, before we all melt, right? And so like, 
Use your imagination today. Let's go back in time and visualize what is going on. And so the nation of Israel is being ruled by their first king, King Saul. He has already started to disobey God. And so the hand of the Lord was not upon him to bless him. But he's still leading the Israelite army. And they're in a place um, where they're battling the Philistines. And just picture, if you will, a large mountain or hill on each side and a valley in between where they would meet in the middle to do battle. And the Israelites are on one side of the the valley, uh, and on the opposite side are the Philistines. And so the armies are gathered there, and they are set up to do battle. And it says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. And they pitched camp at Ephes Damam between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. His shield, just his shield alone, like when it talks about the weaver's beam, it's about as big around as the barrel of a baseball bat. And the spearhead weighed about 15 pounds to give you that idea of what, how, uh, the giant of a man that he was. And so they were there camped, and the Israelites on one side and the Philistines on the other. And Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And so here's, this is going on um, for days, and, and, and then it just shifts, the story shifts. And this is now David. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was born from Bethlehem in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was old and well-advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest, the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David is not even there on location while all this is going down. And it says, for 40 days... For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. For 40 days, this guy would step out in the middle of the valley and he would say, 
why do we all have to go to battle? Just send me one guy, and we will go head to head, and if he can defeat me, we will all be your subjects, but if I defeat him, you will be ours. And what he's doing is he's calling Saul out. Saul, the the Bible says that when Saul was called by God, he stood head and shoulders above other men. He was a tall man himself. He had had victories himself because the hand of the Lord was upon him while he was listening to the Lord. Uh, And so he had victories. There were songs that were written about him. He was a famous warrior for a, a, a time in his life. And Goliath is calling him out, trying to get him to come down and do battle with him. But he would not do it. He was terrified. And so his men were terrified. And this went on for 40 days. So day after day after day after day. And it says, now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and the 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And so David's dad, Jesse, said, hey, I want you to take some bread. Take some supplies to your brothers. Make sure they're doing well. Take, some ten, they take these 10 cheeses to the commander so he will show favor to them. That's kind of what he's doing. And, and he, wants a good re- he wants to hear the report on how his boys are doing in the battle. And so early in the morning, it says that David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out. And as Jesse had, just as Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position. So in the morning, as they're assembling, for 39 days, the enemy in the morning and at night had come out and issued um, this defiance of Israel and their God issuing a challenge. And it says that he reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle positions, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. And David left his things with the keeper of supplies. And he ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines, from his lines. And he shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. For 39 days this was going on, but today is day 40 and everything will change. There's something significant about 40 days in the Bible. We'll see 40 days happening over and over, but on this 40th day, somebody showed up in the battle lines that wasn't planning, that hadn't been there for the previous 39 days. This is now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing there, what will be done for the man? Like you can see, men, like they're all talking and they're saying, men, like have you seen how giant of a man this guy is? If somebody steps up there and, and, and will take him out, Saul is going to let him marry his daughter. Have you seen her? Whoa, she smokes like, like man. And, and, and you're, you're not going to have to pay taxes anymore, none of your family, and, 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 and you get to go live in the king's castle. And David said, say, what? And so David, is, he's overhearing all this, and they replied to him what they had been saying, and, and they told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28, when Eliab, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men about this opportunity, he burned with anger at him, and he asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What are you doing down here? 
No, punk kid, get back home and take care of the sheep. That's what Eliab, his brother, was saying. David turns to him. He says, now what have I done? Said David, can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So David is talking about, why isn't anybody taking this giant out? He starts the discussion about why someone isn't going into battle. And, and then it, all this talk is happening, and, and it travels through the camp, and it makes its way all the way to King Saul's tent. And so he sends for him, and David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And he's just speaking out the, the experiences he's had as he's followed the Lord. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Like he believed that his, the hand of the Lord was on his life. And because he believed it, he saw God bringing him through difficult things that he had been experiencing. And as he spoke what he believed and had been living, his faith was contagious. And now Saul goes from, you can't take this giant on to go and the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed him in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He puts it to, like Saul puts the finest weaponry and armor on David that Israel could prepare or purchase or whatever. And David's walking around in it and he's like, man, I can't. I can't deal with this. And I, I kind of, a, a free takeaway on that is, is so a lot of times people will define what they want you to be for God. And you always must allow the Lord to define what you're supposed to be. Man never gets to define what the Lord has called you to do. Only the Lord can define your calling upon your life. And so he says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. I can see David going down to the stream and, and, and looking over these stones and, and taking some time to pick out the stones. And I don't think it was so much about the stone as it was the conversation he was having with the Lord as he knelt in the stream. And he's talking to the Lord about, I know you've delivered me from the lion. I know you've delivered me from the bear. I know your hand is upon me, Lord. And this Philistine is defying you. He is, he's being blasphemous against all of the nation of Israel. And he picks up the five smooth stones. And he begins to make his journey. And it says that meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer, to the Philistine, not only was a giant of a man, he had a dude that went in front of him that had a shield to protect him. He kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a 
dog that you come to me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Can you hear this giant's booming voice echoing across the valley and all of Israel looking at it? They're terrified. Now they're terrified for David. David is hearing his thundering voice. He's looking at the man towering nine feet tall, carrying a huge spear and a a shield bearer in front of him. And he's cursing him. He's talking trash to him. And what does David do? David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beast of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him and reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehand, forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And the mighty has fallen because one man was fierce enough to believe that the Lord was in his life. And one man was believing that he could defy God. David was different. And so as we look at his life and we begin to unpack, well, what, what does this mean for me? Obviously, first and foremost, without Jesus, it means nothing to you. Like it, it means nothing to you if your sins have not been covered by the blood of Christ. But but the spirit of Jesus is in David and the spirit of Jesus is in you if you know the Lord as personal Savior and your sins have been forgiven and you confess him as Lord and Savior and you're walking in fellowship with him, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And when we look at this story and we say, okay, what made David different and how can I be a different kind of person? Here's the first takeaway for you today. Fierce people run into, not away from the battle. Like when a battle presents itself, a fierce person for the Lord doesn't, like it, you can't look at David and say he wasn't afraid. Of course he was afraid. You don't get in yourself into a situation like that without being afraid. He was just willing to die and, and, and to stand up for the Lord. And so he ran into the battle. He believed that God would use him and he recognized the opportunity. And so everyone else around was shouting the war cry, but David was brave enough to fight. Like they all, for 40, like this was the 40th day, for 39 days the Israelites would get out and they would get out there and they would muster up the courage to get up in the morning and they would go out to draw up the battle lines and this giant would step out and they were terrified and they would flee. But when day 40 came, David ran into the battle. Do you see the parallels between like Eliezer and I believe it was uh, uh, Shema of last week we looked at? What did it say about those two guys? One of them stood in the middle of the field while everyone else retreated. He stood his ground alone and he destroyed many people. Both of those guys that said they were willing to stand alone. Where did they learn that? Right here on this mountain, watching this guy be fierce for the Lord, and they became fierce as well. And so a lot of people are experts at shouting the war cry, 
but fierce people run into the battle. And so like when you, when you follow Jesus, like it doesn't mean like everything is perfect and peachy in your life. I know, I know people who are following Jesus wholeheartedly right now have packed everything up, moved their family back to Oklahoma, and they're, they're in ministry full time, and they're battling cancer every day. Like, so, like, it doesn't mean when you follow Jesus that everything is perfect in your life. We don't see that in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, we see struggles intensifying for people as they make the decision to follow the Lord. And, but what it does mean is that you realize that the Lord is on your side. And if, if God is fighting for you, who can be against you? And it doesn't even mean if the giant takes your life. It doesn't matter because you represent the Lord and you have found the ultimate meaning in life. And so, People who aren't fierce to shout the war cry. They say things. They quote scriptures. People who are fierce run into the battle. They don't complain that they're in a battle. They don't, get, they don't think that they're not going to come through the battle. They know that their hope is in Christ, and whatever the circumstances and outcome of the current situation, they know their hope is in the Lord, that Jesus conquered death, and so there is nothing that they need to fear but the Lord himself, and so they walk in respect and reverence for the Lord, and the Lord begins to use them and work in their lives. So what, what we need as a church is we need men, we need women, we need students who are fierce enough to run into, not away from the battles. Here's the second takeaway. Fierce people aren't overwhelmed by discouragement. They turn away from it. Like Fierce people realize that, that the enemy is going to try to discourage you. The more intense and the more committed you, or the more committed, I should say, you get to being a disciple of Jesus who follows hard after him and surrendering, like surrendering areas of your life and sacrificing and laying down in obedience what the Lord is calling you to do, the more faithful you are to that and the more you sacrifice, then what happens is discouragement will come and try to attack you. You will, you will experience discouragement from several different places. Now, the encouraging thing is, and that's why the church is so important, is because the, the body of Christ is to come around you and encourage you, but here David is facing discouragement, and, and, and sometimes we let the most ridiculous things discourage us, but not David. Like, he, he let Eliab's discouragement roll like water off a duck's back. He didn't get into an argument with Eliab. When Eliab said, what are you doing down here, boy? Get back home and take care of the sheep. You know you're not supposed to be out here. David just looks at him and says, what have I done now? And then he turns away. That's what you got to get good at if you want to be fierce for the Lord. When discouragement shows up in your life, you got to turn away, man. Like we all get discouraged. I get discouraged. I find myself sometimes getting discouraged in life, getting just feeling like there would be more breaking out in the kingdom at our church. And sometimes I get a little bit down, but I know that I got to turn away because my hope is in Jesus, not in church growth. And so like when you get discouraged, you got to turn away from discouragement and you need to expect discouragement if you're going to be a fierce person for the Lord. Verse 29 says he turned away to someone else. And so Lord... Make us people who are fierce and know how to turn away from discouragement. Here's the third takeaway. Fierce people are faithful with little things so they are used to do bigger things. Like fierce people are faithful with the little stuff. In the little things. He was faithful when his dad says, take the cheese down there. I don't want to take the cheese down to them. Like that's the way a lot of students will react. What I got to take the cheese? I don't even get to go fight. He said, give me the cheese. Give me the bread. I'm going to get up early in the morning. You don't even have to wake me, Dad. I'll be there. He got up early in the morning, and he took the cheese, and he took the bread, and he dropped it off, and he found himself in the midst 
of an opportunity. He was faithful in the little things. He believed that when his dad entrusted him to take care of the sheep and the lion and the bear attacked the sheep, he knew his job was to be the shepherd and he chased it away. There are parallels all over the Old Testament. That's what the good shepherd does for us. Is when the lion and the bear comes and tries to um, do harm to us, Jesus the good shepherd drives it away when we are in his flock and we are provided by care for him through him and the Holy Spirit. Well, the same ought to be as we ought to be those kind of people who are faithful in the little things to chase the things away that are causing us harm right now. He's like, we can't be these type of people who are going, oh man, I wish God would use me to do something great. And God is going, oh, I wish you would just do this. I just wish you would get baptized. I just wish you would start serving. I just wish you would start giving. I just wish you would be faithful in the little things and then maybe I could use you to do something bigger. That's what Jesus said. He who is faithful and little will be faithful and much. But he who is not faithful and little will not be faithful and much. So we do not see the Lord breaking out in our lives. So I, the call is, as we look at this story and the takeaway is to put away childish thing, things and embrace the Lord's call on your life. And the final takeaway, fierce people. I love this one. Fierce people don't wonder if the Lord will use them. They passionately believe he already is. Like fierce people believe the Lord is already using them. David believed that God was going to make him victorious. And if he didn't, he was willing to die for the Lord's name. And he ran into the battle with wholehearted belief. It says when the Philistines started coming toward him and shouting out that defiance of the Lord, what did David do? He didn't strategize. He just took off running and said, I'm taking this joker out. You're not going to defy my God that way. And if I die, so be it. The Lord will look at me on my deathbed going down, defending his name. So he ran into the battle with wholehearted belief. And so that we see is that he believed the Lord would use him. He already believed the Lord was using him. Nobody else knew. I get this, man. Nobody else knew that the Lord was using him but David and the Lord. You see, we want to skip that part. We just want the David and Goliath part where everybody else knows that the Lord is using us. And, we, and, the, and what the Lord is trying to prepare us for in those moments when the, he's going to use us to, do, to accomplish something grander than he may be today is like the whole relationship piece. David wasn't building a relationship with the Lord in this David and Goliath story. He had one. That's what made him David. That's what made him different is he had an abide time. We look at this guy, his heart is soft and tender toward the Lord. He writes the Psalms, we read the Psalms and they bring us to tears because his fellowship with the Lord was sweet. He was intimate with the Lord. He sat with the Lord. He heard from the Lord. He knew how to walk with the Lord and the Lord used him and continued to use him to do greater and greater things. And that's why he could say to his son, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong and show yourself a man. And so we look at that. And we see the world desperately needs people like that. Like our community needs people like that. OPCC needs people like that. Like I'm, I'm talking to the men of the church right now. I'm talking to the women in the church. You need to be fierce for the Lord if you're going to accomplish what the Lord wants you to accomplish. The Lord's desire for you is not to make a good living and have a great career and retire and then die. 
The Lord's, like his desire for you is an eternal desire. And if you know him, he wants to use you as a vessel to accomplish things for him and advance his kingdom by seeing it break out in your own life and in the lives of others, by making disciples and believing that the Lord can use you. And the only way you can do that is to be a fierce individual for the Lord, not just going to church on Sunday. Man, that's, that's not it. Jesus didn't die just so people would go to church on Sunday. Like he died and rose from the dead to raise an army of spiritual warriors around him with the, that would advance the kingdom the spiritual kingdom, just like King David did the physical kingdom of Israel. That's what the gospel is about. That's why Jesus is called the son of David. The Messiah is referred to as the son of David because David, was, he was instrumental in establishing the, the kingdom, the physical kingdom of Israel. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Messiah. And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of Christ and all these things shall be added unto you. And what Jesus is saying to us over and over and over, don't believe in me for fire insurance to get into heaven. Believe in me me to change your life starting today and then forever in heaven which the, the Christianity and our faith is not about the then and there it's about the here and now and the then and there and that's when it makes sense and so we look at all of that and here's the big idea for today as we land this thing be different and make a difference here's the part of the story that most people miss this is the part you won't find in the children's church books. Verse 53. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. And David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistine's weapon in his own tent. And the king said, find out whose son this young man is. And as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. With David, look at this, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him, and David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Like he's carrying a, a giant's bloody head. And we look at that, like, what, why is that there? Why is that in the story? What is going on? Oh, there's so much going on, church. One is we see the glory of God. Like David, David was carrying his head around so that all of Israel knows when you believe in God, nobody can mess with God's people. Like let this head be a testimony. But even more than that is that on the cross, Jesus severed the head of the enemy. He severed it. He cut it off. You shall, you shall bruise man's heel, but he shall crush your head. You see that scripture over and over is always pointing to the cross. And so the, the, the freedom we have in the gospel is that Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. 
and, and that we can know him and be forgiven and be in relationship with him. Not be in church, but be in intimate relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords to know Jesus. That is the gospel. And so like the, we look at this and we see that the head represents God is getting the glory from David's life. And the Lord wants to get the glory from your life. He wants people to look at you and see. Like, like just, they don't realize what they're looking at, but ultimately, for the sake of, of the story, they're looking at a person who's walking around with a giant's head in their hands. And that's a difference between a churchgoer and a believer in Jesus. A disciple of the Lord walks around and people know he's carrying a giant's head. I need some of that. And they come around and learn from that person. And so the challenge for you today as a body of believers is like, be different and make a difference. If you don't know the Lord today, like the scripture says, Jesus said, nobody can come to the Father unless the Father draws him unto himself. The Bible says to us, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We receive upon confession of our sin. We receive forgiveness. We confess the name of Jesus. We are forgiven. And because of that forgiveness and the covering of the blood of Christ over our lives, we become the ark of the covenant, the new covenant the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, moves into our lives. When I preach, I don't give a speech. I don't give a talk. I preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He is in me. And he is in me because my sin has been covered by Christ. I've been born again. And so today, if you don't know him, like if you've never been born again, like maybe today is your spiritual birthday when you bow before the maker of the universe and you say, I don't want to be like everybody else who's so shouting the war cry. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want you to live in me. And I want to have your power working in my life. And for you forgive me of my sin and be Lord of my life. And that's what it means to be born again. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Kelsey's going to lead us in a song. And this song, like this song is not designed to show you, oh, this is the last song and then we go home. This song is designed for you to have a personal time communing with the Lord. And so I'm going to take my seat here in a moment. And I, what I want to encourage you to do, just talk to the Lord. Just have a conversation with Him. If you don't know Him and you want to confess that you don't know Him and ask Him to forgive you and to come into your life, then do that. Let that be the topic of the conversation. If you do know him and you've not been being fierce and living a fierce life and you're ready to be different, commit that to him and ask him to help you. But what I'm going to do is after Kelsey leads us for a few, couple of verses, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to ask this question. Did you give your life to Jesus today?
Did you make a decision? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's going to be looking around. But I want you to rest in the Lord right now and deal with what he may be trying to say to you this morning as the gospel has been clearly delivered. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.